Karen Bayer is a retired Fairfax County Public Schools educator of 31 years and is also retired military. When she was diagnosed with breast cancer at age 65, it was the beginning of a life-changing journey for the professional mobile DJ and small home business entrepreneur. It's difficult to put into words the impact she had on the people she met and the lives she touched throughout her cancer treatment. But we gathered Karen and her care team to talk about her journey in the hopes that it will encourage others embarking on the same path. I'm Karen Bear, and I am the cancer survivor. I'm Pam Rogers. I did the radiation therapy for Karen. Renee Snyder, also a radiation therapist. Renee Shank, I am the director of radiation oncology. Tell us why you're here today. What brought you here? I'm here today because you asked me, one, two, because I'm a cancer survivor, and you all saved my life. Here I am, and I'm trying to... Uh, um, share my experience. Hopefully somebody will listen and maybe uh, it would help them get okay. through this whole, their whole journey. So tell us about your cancer journey. How did it start? How did they discover it? I am the type of person that routinely goes to my doctor's appointments. Good so I'm for very you. faithful about Good that. Good for you. And so it was back in uh, 2016 in February. I went to um, my skin doctor, Dr. Ede and uh, just had my regular checkup, and um, they discovered melanoma, actually, on my upper left arm. And it was stage zero, so we caught it very early. They took it out, I have a little dimple in my arm, and that was around February 8th. Then I went to my GYN doctor for my annual physical checkup, and uh, she did a breast exam and felt a lump. And it just so happened that I had scheduled my mammogram for the same day. So I went over to the imaging center, I had my mammogram, and then they did an ultrasound. And then the end of February, I had a biopsy. And then on March the 2nd, so it's a very quick time frame, March the 2nd, they called me back in the imaging center. That should have been a clue, right? And I went to this little room. Uh, then a doctor and a nurse came in. That should have been another clue. And they sat down and they told me that I had breast cancer. And so, um, so began the journey. And my first comment, the first comment I had was, does that mean that I get to wear the pink hat now? <laughs> and so they were taken back by that comment, of course. We, we have to tell our listeners right now that Karen's wearing a bright pink shirt. Shocking pink. Shocking <laughs> pink shirt. Right. Saw her coming across the parking lot. Yes. <laughs> So back to the pink hat. So the pink hat. Of course, they were aghast, you know, and they were thinking, I've just told you, you had cancer. Why are you, are you worried about your attire? But uh, for some reason, that was the first thing that popped into my, my head was that can I now wear pink and, and wear it with purpose and wear it proudly. So um, then immediately, uh, like, they left, the door opened again, and then Regina Kerner came in, and she is the nurse navigator. And what a godsend, what a godsend for sure. Um, she came in, she kind of calmed us all down. Um, and then she just started to go through what the next steps were. Because, you know, we were in shock and what's next? And she said, uh, I've already contacted a surgeon and um, you have an appointment tomorrow, which was March the 3rd. And, uh, and this is what's gonna happen. And then she gave us a ton of literature. And so the very next day, March the 3rd, we went over to the surgeon, Dr. Blanchard. Oh my gosh. Um, 
she knows her stuff because she said she's done surgery on thousands of breasts. So I felt very reassured by that. She sat us down. She mapped everything out. She told us kind of what would be happening. Um, and she reiterated it um, several times because, you know, you have to, when you're in that stage, you're just, everything is just uh, a cascade of information mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. emotions. And so we just asked her to repeat it a couple times, and of course she did, and she drew like little pictures. And uh, I'm kind of a visual learner. Um, and so that helped me greatly, that visual component of explaining to us. Then on March the 11th, I went and I had uh, an MRI. I, it was turned out that I was um, negative for uh, HER2. Does that sound right? If I can remember correctly, it turned out. And I didn't have any other masses in my breasts, so that was a very good thing. Um, and then on March the 21st, uh, I went in for surgery uh, and had a lumpectomy on my right breast, and the sentinel node was um, removed. Uh, Dr. Blanchard was able to get clear margins, which was, which was wonderful. And then on April 14th, uh, again, my um, GYN doctor contacted me because she had um, okayed the genetic testing and got that pushed through. That indicated that I was negative for any mutation, so that was a, another good sign. And then on the 22nd, I met with my, uh, my medical oncologist, but she spent several hours with us, and I don't think we left her office till like after six. And she sat and explained everything in great detail. And uh, you know the exam tables with those little paper on the exam table? Mm -hmm. She said, do you mind if I just take notes on this? And she just took all these notes on that. <laughs> and it was just, I mean, I have like a sheet that's probably three feet. It was just all these notes and all these graphs. <laughs> and, and it was and it was perfect for me. And I still have that. So I save that because that's very dear to me. But she spent a great deal of time. So she told us about, you know, chemotherapy. It was an option, of course and radiation, the surgery, you know, uh, possibly chemo, possibly radiation. And, but it was my, de my decision on which of those I wanted, the surgery for sure, chemo wasn't for sure. Uh, but then we got all the test scores back. And I know Dr. Blanchard, I had an on oncotype test of 18, which is in a lower quadrant, um, which tells you the possibility of the cancer coming back. Uh, recurring and that was a relatively low score if it was in the 20s and 30s or 40s I probably would have opted for chemotherapy I had gone in thinking I was going to have chemo but she did explain very thoroughly that based on all these test scores if I had the chemotherapy it would only decrease my chances of the cancer coming back by maybe two maybe three percent and so, you know, you went home, we talked about it, thought, is it worth the two or three percent? It didn't bother me that I was gonna lose my hair because I was gonna get a mohawk and I was gonna have it in shocking <laughs> So I never get to, anyway. So you could still do it. I could still do it, yes. You but now I'm, I'm so conservative in a way that I just, you know. Anyway, um, I thought two percent, three percent of it, you know, is it worth, I didn't mind the hair loss because that's temporary. The getting sick to your stomach was a temporary side effect, but it was the losing the feeling in your fingers and in your toes and your feet. I didn't want that to happen. 
And I also knew, and she explained it too, and then through all the research we did, uh, the chemo could be very toxic to your, uh, to your system itself. So with all that in play, I just elected not to do the chemo. Again, just to reiterate, is that it's a very personal decision. It has to be a personal decision based on your circumstances, your test scores, and what you, the patient, feels most comfortable with. And uh, never felt pressured by anybody to do anything, uh, which was wonderful, you know. I can... And then our day came. <laughs> Pam and Renee and Dr. Macedon, who was the radiation oncologist. I can't say enough nice things about um, Dr. Macedon. I just love him to pieces. I actually went online and there's like a little video and it might be 30 seconds or a minute long. But just the way that he, again, it was my personal preference, the way he presented himself, he was so forthright. He was, um, I loved his lab coat. It was like starched. <laughs> and that being former military, you know, <laughs> he was a man after your own heart. Is oh what my gosh, saying. through and through, all the way. <laughs> you know, and then I got to meet him. <laughs> but he was very personable. He seemed very knowledgeable. He seemed very genuine. And he mentioned um, his patients and how he felt about his patients. And all that just, and, I, and I, I looked at each video, you know, somebody else might have liked one of the other doctors, but he just, it was just, you know, it's that chemistry that you just can't, you know, can't explain. So that little video really was very helpful. And then, so I came in, uh, but before I met him, I actually met uh, Mary Lloyd, who's the intake nurse. And I walked away from that meeting just flabbergasted because she was so thorough. I have never had anyone as thorough about any aspect of my life as Mary. And she came across, and she still does, as just, hey, it'll be okay, you know, I just, you know, ask you some of these questions. And she was just so kind, so gentle. So it was just like, you know, someone giving you a big hug. And I was just blown out of the water by her. Absolutely. I knew I was in the right place. And, you know, through, and, and never felt rushed with her. You know, there wasn't, you know, like sometimes you go into an office and you have 15 minutes to talk to the doctor and all that. Never, <laughs> never. I've never felt that way. So then on the 4th of May, I had the, um, the upper body form, that fitting. The mold. Um, the mold. The mold. The mold. Right. <laughs> the mold. Right. The mold. Um, and then the ladies over here, Renee and Pam, asked me at the end of that, my radiation, do you want to take their mold home? <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> no, I don't want to take the mold home. <laughs> my father would have said yes, but no, I don't want the mold, you know. Uh, but on May the 12th was my first day of radiation, and that was... Uh, and talking with Dr. Mastodon, and he was so thorough, he explained everything. I elected to do the 21-day, it was an uh, intensive 21-day, uh, so every day at 8 o'clock, you know, Monday through Friday, I came down and had my little session. But that's when I first met Pam and Renee here. And, oh, did we have such a good time. <laughs> Can you have a good time to have radiation? Can you have a good time having radiation? 
We, we do. Love, we, we loved our Karen time, too. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. so um, they were the best team ever, 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 ever. So what can I say about them except they're very positive, very reassuring. But most of all, most of all, I think, so you're lying on that table on that mold, and your arms are up and back, and you're exposed, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm a very modest person. Mm -hmm. And here I am exposing my breasts to people I don't even know. They made me feel, and they still do, very reassured. And I was never um, embarrassed. I never felt embarrassed, which I think is to, to say a lot. Because it is a difficult time to go mm -hmm. through that. Mm -hmm. And we laughed a lot. We laughed mm -hmm. a lot, didn't we? <laughs> Lots of laughs in this department, mm -hmm. for sure. And I brought them music. I was just going to say Go ahead, it. say it. You say it. She brought music. She brought steel drum drums in one day. I did. And maracas. Like actual steel drums? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And she what? left it there the whole day that our other patients could play with it. Even Dr. Macedon played with it. Yeah, he did. Macedon loved it. Yeah. And maracas, we still have the maracas. We have our tambourine that we actually now use as a device to hold. Yes. For the patients to hold, yes. right? And the CDs, she made CDs for every single day of her treatment. Mm -hmm. So there was 21 treatments. 21 CDs. And, and on one of the days, was it was every song that had one in it. Or the second day would be a song that had two in it. Mm -hmm. All the way up to 21. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at the very end of her treatment, she gave Pam and I um, a CD that we still play very much on the regular, Sunshine. sunshine. Oh, the Sunshine one, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Music. It's all about music. Mm -hmm. Well, Karen, part of your job is being a DJ. Yes. So that's why she... Yes, there's a reason why I brought the music these, in. Yeah. Because I had it all. She had access to it. I had access. Erin brought bubbles one day to her treatment, treatment. Mm -hmm. and it became our thing. So we blow bubbles on everybody's last day as they're ringing the bell, mm -hmm. and we even introduce it into our beam team reunion. So Karen will DJ that, our master of ceremony, mm -hmm. and she brings her bubble machine, which is gigantic, and it's outside, and the kids play in it, and yeah. Have a wonderful time. Everybody loves yes. bubbles. Love it. Everyone loves bubbles. It's oh. part of our invitation, too. That's right. We have bubbles That's all right. over That's right. We invitation. have bubbles all over <laughs> Well, my last day of radiation was uh, the June 13th of 2016. I have to admit that the, so the radiation did, uh, towards the end of the 21 days, probably that last week, maybe week and a half, I was a little tired. It did mm -hmm. make me a little tired. Uh, I, I was forced to take naps. And I got into the habit, so now I still do it. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> must not have been so rough after all. I love my naps. I love my naps. Um, and, um, and my brain got a little kind of foggy at the, at the end of it. But it didn't last very long. I mean, maybe a week or two, a month maybe afterwards that I was tired. So it was fine. I mean, you know, it wasn't bad at all. And then, you know, then I just had the, the, all the follow-up doctors. You know, every six months you have to see, at that time I had to see the surgeon and then the re radiation oncologist and the medical oncologist. And then uh, I still see my uh, dermatologist every six months. So it's just constant, which is fine. I have a planner and I keep very accurate notes. And I take my little medicine. I take my medicine. And I take letrozole because I'm 
postmenopausal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> something to be said for that, huh, ladies? Woo! I know. Um, um, so the first, the first uh, uh, bottle I got uh, were the, the Leprosol pills, and I opened it up and poured them out, and they are like they were like shocking yellow. I mean, they were bright yellow pills. I just, I couldn't believe it. So I named them. And I, <laughs> I call them my sunshine pills. Aww, <laughs> See? I love it. I know. So every night I take my Aww. little sunshine pill, faithfully. That was my journey, and I'm sticking to it. Anything else How? you'd like to know? <laughs> yes. So I want to know, has your outlook on life changed? How has it changed me? I'm sorry, I've gone no, out of order. You have, and I'm, I'm kind of in order. That's like question number six. She's military. I'm ready for question number two. That's okay. Sure, but I can, I'm prepared. Oh boy. I was a Girl Scout. How has my life changed? Yeah. Yes, I know that question. Yes, of course it has changed. Well, one, I have a lot more doctor's appointments. Mm. <laughs> I'm being very literal right now, okay? Mm, please do. Um, a lot more visits, doctor visits, and a lot more tests, of course. Um, so I had to get a, a larger day planner for all my dates because I do the old-fashioned way with pencil and paper. I don't use You were running out of room. Right. See? Yes, okay. It has changed me, too, is that I'm less modest. I don't go exposing my breasts all the time. All right, never. I don't do it ever. I'm, I'm sorry, ever. Um, I'm still modest, but I just couldn't. I couldn't. I didn't ever imagine in a million years how many people would be looking at my breasts. You know, it's very humbling. Honest. I think I'm more aware of my body too. So my right breast has a dent. I see that every morning, every day. So you may be finished with everything, but the cancer is a constant reminder. Your body is a constant reminder, a constant reminder. And you say the you scar in your arm and you see. Yes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all the time. Aware of my body in the sense that if something doesn't feel right, even if it's a little thing now, flares go up. And so I just call doctors and I ask questions and go to doctors. Even if it's nothing, I'd rather know that it's nothing, mm -hmm. that it could be something, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. When I was going through it, I did have to postpone. I didn't cancel, but I postponed some of my DJ gigs because I am a, a DJ. And I had to because I couldn't lift heavy things. And I wanted to stay true to my doctor's orders on this count. But I mostly kept my routine. I was working as a, a consultant for uh, Prince William County Public Schools uh, for the special ed office. And I was presenting, uh, doing trainings and all. So I went every day, you know, went to the radiation, then I went poof, right over there and did my trainings and did whatever they had me. So I didn't s stop any of that. I think also it's be uh, this whole journey has made me, I'm much more open with other people about my cancer. I'm not afraid to talk about it. I know some people are afraid to mention the word, probably for fear that it might come back. If cancer hears you, you know, it'll come knocking on your door again. I, I see it just the opposite, is that I'm trying to defuse it and so I don't hesitate to talk about it or people ask me about it gladly talk because I think it helps I think it helps definitely 
Have you found that it is a bridge that connects you to other people that otherwise you would not have been connected to? Totally. Sure, because I have a whole another group of, uh, of people, individuals that I can identify with, that we've had the same mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. I think life is a lot like that. You know, it's experiences that you have in uh, common with others that kind of help you with each other. Um, other thing that changed big time was that I have new lifetime friends. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Which is really great. So, um, and also, and then some other folks like at uh, in Prince William that had gone through uh, cancer shortly after I did, um, I am actually some have established a friendship with them as well. So it does kind of bring, it can, it can bring people together. It did for me, mm -hmm. which is nice. The interesting thing is how it has changed me uh, too is that, you know, I see pink everywhere. Mm. Pink now, you know, before it was a color. Now pink has meaning. And, and I see it, and if I see somebody with pink, I automatically think, although I don't always approach them, but I think, I wonder, you know, did they go through this journey? Sometimes you can feel comfortable talking with them, sometimes not, but it's always in the back of my mind. But then there's always ads every night on television about cancer medication or cancer this or this or that or whatever. So it's, it's, not, it's not something that you can shy away from or you can't. Um, so my philosophy is you just, you know, hit it head on. But the cancer is, it was a harsh reality. You know, it was like a slap in the face. And I know that one day, for whatever reason, I won't be here. It doesn't have to do with cancer, it could be something else. But because of the cancer, I think it has changed me, you're right, in a way where I always thought I was prepared. I'm very big on preparing for things. But I think I'm even much more now prepared mm -hmm. for myself and for my family to take care of everybody. So I have binders and things like that. Everything's spelled out. I mean, I'm so prepared. It's pathetic. My dad called his binder the end game. The end game. I had an end game. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it was all in the end game binder. Mm -hmm. Well, I learned that from my father, too, because when my father, when he passed away, he had everything written out by hand, of course, because there were no computers back then. Uh, he had everything written out, uh, who to contact, what to do, mm -hmm. yada, 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 yada. And it just, it takes and relieves that stress. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a shame people don't yep. want to face that. Yep. Oh, he even um, wrote down the plumber and the, yes. the lawn guy and the everything. Yep. Mm -hmm. So is there anything else on yes. your list there? Okay. So there was a question of, of what was my experience like. Um, and I would have to admit that the diagnosis of cancer was really a huge shock, which it probably is to most people, would be my guess. Yet, in the back of my mind, both my parents had died from cancer. My father from metastasized melanoma, which I had just been diagnosed with, and my mother from small cell lung cancer. She was an avid smoker. So I'd always thought, you know, those little thoughts, whether you try not to think them, but they happen, is that I will probably, you know, get cancer one day, and sure enough, it happened. But still, it was still an enormous shock because Within 10 days, I was diagnosed with melanoma and then breast cancer. And that was just, I couldn't, bam, you know, bam. twice in 10 days. How does mm -hmm. that happen? But it does. I think um, 
there, there is a, a thing that I think people need to know is that there is just an information overload. And um, because all the doctors and nurses and technicians are talking to you, and they're talking a lot of medical terms, and they try to explain, and you hear as much as you can, and you process as much as you can, but it's still a lot. And the one great thing they told me, I don't remember which person said this, they said, whatever you do, do not go online and read mm -hmm. blogs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's the worst thing you could do, because mm -hmm. you're only gonna hear the horror stories, and it's gonna depress you. But go to reputable sites like American you know, Cancer Society, I went there, went to the Mary Washington site, of course, Susan B. Coleman, those sites. And that's really what we did. And, we, and I just researched and researched and researched because the medical terminology can be kind of daunting, you know. Um, and then when you had questions, did you feel comfortable going back to your cancer navigator and saying, totally, what about this? What about that? I read this and I didn't understand without it. Without question. Not just the navigator, but, but to all the doctors as mm -hmm. well, you know. And I'm a type of person that likes to know what's happening, definitely. And then I think people need to know that, of course, there is lots of worry. And the worrying comes from, I guess you're worried about dying, of course, and you're worried about what is the, the journey going to, where is it going to take you. But under all that, it was the worry of what's the right decision. Mm. What is the right decision? Am I making the right decision? Am I making the right decision? And I and you know you, you think about that, and I really I kind of finally decided that the best decision at whatever stage was a decision that was right for me. And so what's right for me would be different than you or anybody else in this room or out there, because it really depends on your health, your circumstance, your history. I mean, you're talking about genetic history. And so you really have to do what is right for you, and it's based on the medical findings, but it's also what your comfort level is, um, I think. Which, which is why going to a blog and reading about what somebody else thinks you mm -hmm. should do is not recommended. Right, because their situation is not your situation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing was that I really um, developed... <clears throat> A very deep appreciation uh, for Mary Washington Healthcare. You know, when you go and you visit somebody in the hospital, it's one thing. You go in, you walk out, whatever. You might go in and get a shot or something like that's different. But when you're actually a patient and you're going under surgery, you really find out how great those folks are all along the way. I mean, I, I don't, I believe I could not have received better care than I re received and I'm still re receiving. And the one thing, is that you're diagnosed with cancer and your first thought, besides the pink hat, which is probably not anybody else, <laughs> is <laughs> I want this cancer out right now. Mm -hmm. Take it out right now. I want it, you know, take me to another room, cut me open, take it Just out. Just do it. Right now. Because all you can envision are all these little cancer cells going all throughout your body. And, and that is probably one of the scariest things is that this whole process takes time and there's a process and when you're initially in the in the, in the first stages you don't understand that but then and dr blanchard explained it to me he said you know you can't have radiation i know you want radiation you know right after surgery but you can't your 
surgical site has got to heal and everything's got to heal and then you do another stage and then you heal and then you do another stage and when she said that and then when you go through it you understand that you know it takes time mm -hmm. so sometimes things happen very fast and then sometimes it seemed like it's very slow but the slowness was and it wasn't slow at all it was just it was the process that you had to go through mm -hmm. but I still tucked in the back of my mind always and I was asking another cancer survivor this the other day I asked him, I said, do you think, does it enter your mind sometimes that there are little cancer cells in you that might be running around, that might just be hibernating and that might, you know, be activated later on? And they said, absolutely. You know, it's always mm -hmm. the back of my mind, mm -hmm. you know. So it, it is what it is, you know. So you just have to forge forward. I think this is important because one of the kind of the questions was who was involved in my care besides all the doctors and all the technicians, the lab people, all that. To include the receptionist at the different places. There was Connie and then Wanda now. Those are the people that you first meet when you walk in the door. To me, they are critical people in making um, the patients feel invited, welcomed, mm -hmm. to comfort them. I think that person is, is, is critical. They're the face. Yes, mm -hmm. they are the face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I was diagnosed, I had a couple of friends that had um, uh, cancer, had had, or were survivors. So I got on the phone to them immediately and I said, listen, here's my situation. You've been through it. Tell me what it was like. And they gave me some really good information, which I think is helpful. So rely on those people. Question was, are there, is there anything that I can do now that I couldn't do before? Yes. Survive cancer. <laughs> <laughs> right? I can wear pink with pride now. I wear pink with pride. You know? I'm very proud of my pink. And I actually look good in pink, right? You yes, do look good in pink. Thank you. Absolutely. I know you liked my shirt, but no. <laughs> and um, I could never talk with people before about cancer because I had not, you know, you walked walk in the it. shoes, mm -hmm. you know. It's, and then here I am talking on a podcast. Because I'm a DJ, um, uh, Pam and Renee, a couple of years, almost three years ago, I think, yes. asked, um, they have a, a reunion every year mm -hmm. of their cancer survivors, and they have Wegmans, oh, food, <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, come and enjoy. And I play the music, which is really great music, right? Which, of course, yes. is wonderful. Yes. It's the best yes. part about it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. And it is fun. And then I get to kind of talk with the people as a cancer survivor, not just as a DJ. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the gifts, the second year, I think it was, they gave these little bells out and it says I rang my bell because you know you get to ring the bell after your treatment and here's my little bell so I have my little bell and actually I put my little bell in uh, my bathroom and so every day after I shower and whatever go to work whatever I'm doing I go over there and I ring my little bell and it just reminds me that I am a survivor and that I'm going forward I love my little bell Mm -hmm. Every day. Every day I ring my bell. Every day. Even if I tried to get away with it from it, I couldn't because I keep reminding myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Can I say a couple more things? Absolutely. There's a couple a couple things I want to share. I know uh, you know, when you're on television and 
they always, people are diagnosed or something happens and they'll say, why me? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. People still say that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I never asked myself that question. Never. And I still don't. Because I feel, as I see it, is that a kind of uh, life has kind of uh, dealt me this fate that I am going to have cancer and um, my charge, as I see it, is to handle it in the best way that I can. And this, of course, is going to be diff- different from every each person. You know, um, how I handle it is different from somebody else, but that's how I have decided that it is just, it's just life. You know, things happen to people. So I think one of my cognitive thoughts was to um, to take charge, to be in charge. Don't let the cancer be in charge, but take charge as much as possible and to be as positive as possible. Because I do believe that um, being positive then brings you positivity, good things happening mm-hmm. to you, I do. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna be negative, then you're gonna get negative in return. I, that's just one of my personal beliefs. I also believe that um, you have got to take your meds faithfully. And I do every night, every night, take them faithfully. And you have to go to your doctors. So when I went to all these doctors, every doctor would ask the same questions. When did this happen? When Mm -hmm. did that happen? And at first I could not remember when everything happened because I was still in the fog. So um, I made a list on paper printed out on the computer though, not by hand, of all my medications, what they were for, when to take them and all that. And I made a list of all my medical happenings because they would ask me, when did this happen? What day did you have surgery? What da 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 da. And so I have these sheets of paper now and now when I go to the doctors and I update it periodically, I just hand them those sheets. So it takes all the stress off of me of having to remember everything and they, everybody loves it. Oh my gosh, they love it. And it's typed, so. (laughs) and the other thing too is too I live by this for sure is I would never want people to feel guilty or that it was brought upon them for something that they did or didn't do it's just it happens and I think we have to be kind to ourselves I do try to be kind to myself I try to do things that feed my soul so everybody is going to have different foods that feed their soul and I know what those are for me one of the big ones has been giving pleasure back to people. And I can do that a lot through my music. I give a lot of pleasure to people. Uh, That's really what makes me happy. The other little advice is that for people that are going through this before they go through their chemo or radiation is they need to talk to their other doctors. I did not know that. I mean, I knew this because one of my doctors said, uh, like Dr. Macedon said, he said, um, about your teeth, you know, he said, go to your dentist before you have radiation because the radiation can affect teeth, yada, yada. Mm. So I had to go in and get a crown. Thank you, Dr. Macedon. But um, <laughs> I had to get a crown, like an emergency crown. Okay. And, and also your eyes. So they said you have to really make sure you get an eye appointment at least once a year if, you have, if you've ever had a cancer. So I, I didn't know that until all this mm-hmm. happened. So I said to take charge. Do your research, that's important, the right places. Um, I find strength in routines. Can you tell that? (laughs) From structure and routines? That is my uh, safety net. For somebody else who is not, you know, an A-type, there probably wouldn't be. 
So then they could just be as messy as they wanted to be if that was their thing. But for me, it's routines. I find solace in that. I also don't ever try, I don't worry about saying the word cancer or talking to anybody about cancer. I believe in myself. I think that's important. And I believe in my providers, my medical providers. I try to be as positive. Glass is always half full, if not running over sometimes. And if you do have radiation, do they still have the cream? Use the cream. Oh my gosh, I love the cream. I even asked Dr. Mastodon, can I put it on after radiation? He said, no. <laughs> he said, just put it on, you know, where the radiation was. Well, I was at, uh, you know, uh, doing trainings. I would like lather it on, this cream. Then I'd put my bra on. Then I'd put a t-shirt on. And then I'd put my shirt on. And it just felt wonderful. It felt wonderful, you know? So, I mean, it was like a little bright spot. I don't know if I had a bright spot during radiation, but I did. Make sure you utilize, I think, your support team. I had a very large support team. I know some people may have a very small one, or maybe just the providers, the healthcare providers, but you really need to utilize them. Talk with them, ask them questions. Never be afraid to ask a question, because we're not alone in this journey. We're definitely not alone. And also, I know it's my journey, but it was also my family's journey. Mm -hmm. And it was my friend's journey. So they too, it affected them greatly, much differently than myself, but it affected them because they're on the sides watching you go through all this and it's very difficult for them. So as much as you can talk to them and share with them and um, have them a part of your recovery, your journey, I think that for some families, for my family, that, that is what helped. That's really wise. Because as much as you feel out of control of the situation, imagine them. they're even more out of control mm -hmm. of it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and so the more I think you can open yourself up to people helping you, that actually helps them as well. And it invites them into your healing. It does. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then last, um, it's, it's interesting how things just happen in life. Serendipity kind of. You know, at Christmas, you know, well, at Christmas, you get Christmas cards. And I love those cards where the families are on there, and every year you can see the progression of where the children, mm -hmm. and you read the, the page-long history of what's happened to these families. I love those, and I keep those, believe it or not. But there was one card I got this year that it was exceptional beyond all cards I have ever received. And it has now become, I think, one of my mottos in life. And on the front of it, there was this tree, and it said, be the gift. Mm -hmm. Be the gift. Be the gift. And that just touched me so much. And so now, that's, I just think about that. So I am going to be the gift. How's that sound? Hello. Awesome. I, I do too. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Renee. <laughs> was it your card? It was her card, mm -hmm. and it was beautiful. It's beautiful. I have it in my planner. I have it with me all the time now. Isn't that amazing? Well, it's been a gift having you here today talking with us. Thank you very on much. On your very first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Maiden, Maiden, Maiden Voyage. That's right. <laughs> you never know. That's another thing. Is you just don't know what doors will open in life. It's amazing. You know, life is amazing. So thank yes. you very much. And thank, thank you. you all. Thank, thank you. you. It's been great. Thank, thank you, Kim. You. You're welcome. Yeah.
To learn more about Mary Washington Healthcare's Regional Cancer Center, please visit cancer.mwhc.com. This is Karen Charney, and this has been a production of Inside MWHC.